WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to The Sci-Files, an Impact 89 FM series focusing on student research here at Michigan State University. We're your co-hosts Chelsea Boudou and Daniel Puentes. The COVID-19 pandemic caused a widespread and ongoing changes in the K-12 education, including transitions in science teaching and learning environments. Many schools shifted to online instruction while having no or little time to plan with alternative solutions and strategies. To talk to us more about education research in the time of the pandemic, we're here with Selin Akun. Selin, can you please introduce yourself and tell us about your research? Sure, thank you. I'm Selin, and I'm a second-year PhD student at Curriculum Instruction and Teacher Education Program. And I'm also a research assistant at Create for STEM, and we are working on a project on elementary science education level. It's nice to meet you, Selin. Could you talk a little bit about what the Create for STEM Institute is and what's your role in it? Nice to meet you, too. Sure. Create for STEM is a Michigan State University-sponsored research institute. Uh, And in Create, we have lots of projects. And one important point here is we have lots of collaboration between the Colleges of Education, College of Natural Science, and Engineering. So Create for STEM kind of offers opportunities for professors and researchers for the interdisciplinary work. And Create also has projects which with the goals of improving teaching and learning environments for students and teachers in STEM disciplines for K-16 level. I'm actually working in one of the projects in the Institute, which called Multiple Literacies and Project-Based Learning. We also called it MLPBL. Actually, MLPBL is one of the longitudinal projects in here, and it's funded by George Lucas Educational Foundation. And uh, as a research team, we are aiming to design and promote engaging learning environments for students from third to fifth grade. So it's basically an elementary science-based project. Also, as a researcher, we are improving students' sense-making of science and science engagement by applying science ideas and practices. And one important point is we are not only trying to support their science literacy, but also language and mathematical literacy too. I've heard about the Create for STEM Institute before, and I really love that they're promoting education in STEM. In your project, how are you improving science engagement and the students' literacy in science? That's a great question. Actually, as MLPBL team, we have some core principles and affordances to promote students' sense-making and engagement. Actually, MLPBL uses the core principles of project-based learning. So what I mean here is with the project-based learning, we are trying to help students to engage with some meaningful and relevant driving questions in our curriculum units. In our project, we are providing some relevant driving questions. For instance, it would be about like squirrels' survivals or birds' characteristics or body structures in third grade. So students basically engage with some interesting driving questions. And in that way, we are trying to spark their wonderment uh, about the world. And in a way, when they engage with all those questions, they are collaborating to construct knowledge. They carry out some investigations and at the end they are trying to build some artifacts like bird feeders or models on squirrel survival. 
So they are basically engaging in science phenomenon and try to understand what's happening around the world of them. Blows my mind, actually, that elementary students are going to have the opportunity to do these kinds of immersive projects that allow them to really get involved with the science that they're learning about and just other general STEM topics. I know from what I can remember from elementary school, I never really had any of those kinds of experiences. Now that we're in the pandemic, however, how does somebody facilitate this kind of learning over a virtual setting? This is actually what we are also trying to deal with this question. This is one of the biggest challenges, I think, as a team for us too. So as you said, pandemic has shifted like all the practices in education, all the modality or our practices as a researcher. So as a team, actually, we are trying to modify our face-to-face curriculum and teaching materials and trying to make those for the virtual settings in order to support teachers and students in these online classrooms. Basically, we are providing some professional development sessions for teachers and we are coming together with them in order to talk more about what kind of different technological tools can teachers use to implement MLPBL lessons in their classrooms. For instance, for elementary levels right now, in lots of Michigan teachers are using roadmaps or they are using Seesaw, like Jamboard. These technological tools really right now works for elementary students because it's, as teachers also talking about, it's really hard to keep them engaged, also interested in online settings. So we are trying to still keep the collaborative aspects and small group investigations in these lessons. So this is one of the challenges and we are working with the teachers in here as a partnership. So this is really valuable for us too. This is wonderful. I know that there's so many technology out there and resources that people don't usually tap into right now. During the pandemic, we're able to have a larger reach than just our local population. I know that you said that the Create for STEM Institute is here at Michigan State University. However, now that this is virtual, are you expanding outside of the Michigan area? Right now, for our projects, we are working with the teachers all around from Michigan, actually. Also, we are working with the teachers from Wisconsin, too. So I can basically say our initial focus right now is on teachers from Detroit, from Genesee area or Kent area or teachers from the Wisconsin. Right now, one helpful aspect for me as a researcher and our other team members, we are able to just go into teachers' Zoom links and observe their classrooms. What's this allow us to see what's happening in the classrooms? How can we support these teachers and students in terms of their use of different materials, their use of technological tools, and how can we provide different materials and pedagogical strategies for them? So uh, for this level, we are basically working with Michigan teachers, but we are hoping that with our research findings and with our interactions with the teachers and students, we can provide broader implications for other teachers from other areas too. That's great that you're going to be able to collect information from classrooms in different areas of the state of Michigan, even from Wisconsin. Could you clarify a little bit about how do you balance the engagement you're doing in these classrooms comparatively to the observations you're performing and how the learning is occurring? Right now, as you just said, we are able to observe these classrooms and we are able to talk with the teachers after each class through some interview sessions in order to have more sense of what's happening in the classroom. 
But I can tell, for instance, I'm observing the third grade classrooms right now, and students are learning more about the forces through building some toys. We have a unit called Toys. And normally before the pandemic, students were able to build their own cars or rockets or skimmers by using some basic materials that we are providing to them. But right now, since everything is going virtual and most students are at home, so right now uh, teachers are, if they have some toys kits from the previous years and if we can provide them as a kits, they are coming to the schools, their parents coming to schools and get those kits and students are able to build their own toys. Or one other things actually teachers are, for instance, what I observe, encourage students to use some basic materials they already have their houses. For instance, some plastic bottles or some plastic lids, they can build their own toy cars. So in that way, students still able to engage in those lessons, build their own toys. And they also, after they build their toys, they record themselves and explain how do they build their toys, what was the reasoning behind that, what worked for them or not. There are different types of practices teachers are trying here to still keep students engaged and making sense of how this science phenomena works. It really resonates with me that you're working with third graders because one of my first jobs was me working with fourth graders and children in elementary. I think it's really good that you're having interviews with the teachers about their experiences in the classrooms and the engagement right now, especially during the pandemic. Whenever you're conducting these interviews with the teachers, how are you determining how successful these practices are in a virtual setting? There are different ways to interact and communicate with teachers for us as a research team. And one of the biggest channels for this is going to the classroom and observe and take some field notes, what's working or not. And right after our class observations, we are able to talk with the teachers individually, like what happened, what worked for you, what was challenging, kind of a little follow-up discussion. But besides that, we are, I'm also conducting interviews with all third grade teachers. So in these individual interviews, I am able to ask them, what was the successful part of this virtual lesson for you when you are using MLPBL units or what worked for you or what, what did not work for you? When I ask such questions, teachers are opened up and they are really sharing some parts that really works for them in the classrooms and not. And another important channel is that we have bi-weekly third grade teacher meetings and these are like professional learning sessions and we are coming together every two weeks and we are talking about how students were able to build different models, build different artifacts and teachers actually sharing them in their discussions. And teachers also talk with each other, like how different experiences they are having in their classrooms. So these are really fruitful and community building conversations we have. So in that way also, when teachers talk with each other and with us, we are working in a collaborative way to understand how we can take a step further and make this online lessons better. Personally, throughout this interview, I've been wondering about how the geographical locations can make the experiences for these students different. Have you noticed any particular differences between what students may be experiencing, for example, in Detroit versus Genesee County? 
Yes, that's a great point. And as a team also, we are trying to support all students with the different social and economical backgrounds. So especially in the pandemic, some students have an opportunity to connect to the classes, but some of them has a like low internet connectivity or they are not able to be in the science classroom as some other students do. So these STEM opportunities actually are often unavailable for some students from diverse or underrepresented groups. So as a research team, especially in this pandemic situation, one of the goal is promoting like equity-based and inclusive science classroom and trying to include all students and provide some understanding of science ideas and science learning. So luckily, what we observe from De- Detroit and the other Michigan areas, most students are basically available to join to the classrooms, most, most of the students at least. So when students are able to connect those online classes, we are trying to still support them through providing some equity-based learning goals. So we are trying to also bring the focus of like funds of knowledge and we are trying to leverage students, family and community-based cultural and linguistic knowledge into the science classroom. So this is really important for us to build still a positive relationship and community in such challenging and hard times and where students still can share freely and have an access to those ideas and materials by bringing their own voices and experiences into the science classrooms. This is one of the biggest challenge, also providing the collaborative and equity and bringing all material opportunities and resources for different students. Normally, I hear about education being focused cognitively, like memorization. However, other interactions like social-emotional learning are becoming recognized as important ways of learning in the classroom. Though it is virtual now, are you able to evaluate these aspects? Definitely, this is a really important point in our project and in our curriculum materials and our interactions with the students. By using project-based learning, we are also trying to leverage students' social and emotional learning too. So what I mean by that is we are trying to support students like when they're working on these science ideas, they're also started to learn to take ownership of their ideas and they are willingly investing time and they are taking action to solve some real problems and they are collaborating with their peers. They feel safe to share their ideas and they listen and help each other and they build on their thoughts actually. So at the end, and we are hoping to see transition in their science identities. So with the social emotional learning, we are hoping to help those students to develop some interest, some develop their science identities and promote their sense of belonging in this learning community. So it's just beyond the cognitive learning, but also is like social and cultural context and emotional aspect of learning. The way to support such learning is also depends on how teachers are facilitating the discussions, how they are supporting their students when they hear their ideas, how they are promoting their thinking. So when we see teachers' teaching practices, also students' way of approaching to science ideas, we can see the development of their social and emotional learning too. So, for instance, in order to leverage students' family and community-based cultural and linguistic knowledge, in one of our units, we have family interviews. 
With this family interviews, students actually try to make some connections how their community and how scientific knowledge works or how science works. So they are able to bring their own cultural perspectives to what counts as science. This is a one way to develop their interest and bring their own voices and realities into the classroom. I can speak from experience that family involvement with a student's education really does impact and help improve the quality of education that they're receiving. As you mentioned in the beginning of the interview, this is part of your PhD project. But once you've finished with your PhD, where do you plan to take this kind of research afterwards? Right now, I'm in my second year and I'm working on this project for more than one and a half year right now. So uh, I really enjoy working with teachers and students learning trajectories of science, especially in this pandemic situation. I was able to look at how learning and teaching might change. This is one of my ongoing goals, and I'm hoping to keep researching on how MLPBL supports students' sense-making of science ideas and also how support teaching practices. But besides that, actually, I also have a couple other questions in my mind, which also connects to this project in some ways. Maybe my future goals for my dissertation level. So I'm interested in the questions of like, what counts as learning and how do our identities shift during our learning process? So I'm really interested to dive more into relationship between learning and identity, considering the social and cultural contexts we live in, we belong in, and power structures around us. So this is maybe one one important aspect that I can connect with my observations and my experiences from MLPBL. And one interesting point in my mind also, actually, lately, applications of artificial intelligence in education and their ethical and societal drawbacks for K-12 educationals. So what I mean by that is like how manipulative nature of machine learning systems and algorithms in education shows itself. So this is one of my interest points for now, too. Wondering, what do you do with your degree afterwards? Would you be someone that develops the curriculum for teachers or would you be teaching? After I graduated, I'm hoping to still be in the academia by continuing my research on science education and also teaching in the college level. But I'm also really interested in work with teachers and support them through the professional development sessions. So I'm hoping to support teachers through curriculum materials and professional learning sessions. And I'm also hoping to be in a university and continuing my research and teach in a college level. Well, I know I have no doubts about the success of your project. I'm sure our audience doesn't either after hearing how well you're already integrated into the work that's being done with the Create for STEM Institute. And I know you're going to be really successful whenever you finish with your PhD and end in that academia position to be able to mold the next generation of education researchers. Thanks again for joining us today to talk about your really impactful research, Selen. Thank you so much. That was a great pleasure for me, too. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. To hear more about us and learn more about our episodes, check out scifiles.org. If you're a current MSU student that would like to be interviewed, please reach out to us at scifiles at impact89fm.org. We'll catch you next week on the Sci-Files, and remember, the truth is in the science.